Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Since last week's show featured Irene Ziegler, and we talked about her role as Lou Hoover in the new series, The First Lady, I thought it only appropriate to review it this week. So I'll do that in just a minute. We had done the major set, which was the Watergate Hotel. Everybody kept coming on and complimenting it. And Julia Roberts, I want everybody to come down here so I can thank them. And so we all went down and she just came out and she just told everybody how what a great job they, everybody did. Afterwards, I went up and just introduced myself. So she was wonderful. That was D. Tracy Smith, a set designer for movies and TV shows. His latest work was for Gaslit which was just released on Stars. The series revisits the 70s Watergate scandal from the point of view of Margaret Mitchell, played by Julia Roberts, with Sean Penn as her husband, John Mitchell. We'll also talk about his work on SWAT, CSI, and several other popular TV shows. After Review of the Week. The First Lady. This Showtime series follows the lives of three First Ladies, Michelle Obama, played by Viola Davis, Betty Ford, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and Eleanor Roosevelt, played by Gillian Anderson. The first two episodes set up their ascent to the White House while establishing their marital relationships. Episode three flashes back on how each couple met and got married. Through it all, there's an undeniable charisma from each actor in creating roles who are both interesting, authoritative, and somewhat complex. Under the taut direction of Susan Beer, each scene is meaningful or significant, with some moments of personal interaction, although none of it's gone that deep yet. Still, learning about these three exceptional and influential women makes the series appealing and interesting. I gave it four out of five stars. So, welcome to Sifter D. Tracy Smith. Let me ask you first, what does the D stand for? D is my first name, Dwight. My dad's uh, first name is Dwight. So growing up, everybody uh, called me Tracy. Later on in life, everybody got confused that Tracy was my middle name. Right. So in college, I added the D just to avoid the confusion, and it's just stuck. Of course, the first thing we do when we start these calls is look on IMDb, and I thought, well, maybe it's because there are four other Tracy Smiths, and they're all women. Maybe the D's for dick. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I get that all the time. That's the classic joke when somebody meets me. They, they say that. So. Oh, do they really? Huh? You mean that? <laughs> yes, I get that all the time. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> we went to Washington, D.C. in September, the first time we'd been out of town since COVID. We went to the Kennedy Center to see the new construction, and we were walking back by the Watergate, and we saw these people sitting on the corners and places in 60s costumes and occasional lots of 60s cars. And I'm like, they must be shooting something around here. And I never found the video village or where the source was. But I wondered when I knew that you were working on Gaslit, I bet that might have been what I was seeing there. Yes, they were uh, at that point, uh, they had gotten to near the end of the show and they were doing second unit stuff and uh, shots in uh, D.C. and other parts of the country. Footnote. Second unit is usually exteriors, crowds and other scenes that don't require the principal actors to be on camera. So you were gone. I was gone by that time, yes. Let's back up way back. So you started, you went to Middle Tennessee State University, and you decided, hey, I think I'm going to go to theater. How did you end up in theater and at VCU? When I started college, I was a a computer science major, and my plan was to get into engineering and robotics, and I just was not loving it. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a theater class just for fun, and I always kind of had a little creative side, you know, and I was interested 
and film and movie and TV and all that kind of stuff. And I got over there and I took a class and I became instant friends with a lot of the theater people. Then how did you get to VCU? I was uh, about to graduate and my uh, teacher at MTSU, Deborah Anderson, was looking around at colleges and, you know, suggesting places for me to go and stuff. And she goes, hey, I know somebody that I think you'd really get along with and they need somebody in their program. And it was Ron Keller. Footnote. Ron Keller joined the faculty of Theater VCU as a scene design teacher in 1986 and retired in 2017. I met Ron Keller at the American College Theater Festival. I think I actually won that year. And I really enjoyed talking to Ron. He was great. You know, he was very open-minded and very uh, energetic and passionate about what he was doing and everything. And I really liked that. And he, he seemed to like me. And I applied for the program. They accepted me. And that's how I kind of ended up at VCU. Surprise guest drop in. Oh, my God. Ron Keller, I can't believe it. Uh, Tracy, I can't believe it. This is so incredible. When was the last <laughs> time you saw each other? Do you know? When exactly. I graduated. Exactly. That was December of 95, I guess. A few minutes ago. Ironically, excuse the pun, <laughs> right before you signed on, Tracy was talking about meeting you at ACTF. Yes. You remember that? I do. What impressed you about him at that point? What, what I loved is that his undergraduate faculty just glowed about him and they just had so many great things to say, you know, and I thought, oh, this is... This is a really great sign. And well, you were the uh, best person I met and talked with. You know, it was uh, it was kind of a no brainer. Uh, that's sweet. One of the things uh, that I loved about VCU is that it was an art college. Uh, that, that's where I felt like I was lacking actual the art, pen to paper, pencil to paper, paint to canvas, or however you want to look at it, you know. And then I saw Ron's work and I was like, I need to learn what he does. So, Ron, what do you remember about uh, Tracy's experiences at school? You were so dedicated and you worked so hard and you just kept going after it and going after it and going after it. And you just wanted to be the very best you could be. Your designs were so elegant and they were just they're so beautiful. And it was so much fun to go to uh, your website and look at the gallery of everything you're doing now. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just amazing. Oh, well, thank you very much. That made me start thinking back to some of the work you did way back then. You know, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, I knew it was special, but to, to see where you've gone is just amazing. Tracy, do you remember anything specific about working with Ron or any of the shows or any advice he gave you? Or Yeah, probably the best piece of advice that I, I still even think about to this day, because I'm still struggling with it, is just this perfectionism thing. And I remember I would be doing paintings in the paint shop and he would say, you're too tight, loosen up, let the brush flow across the campus. But, you know, I kept trying to like, oh, this line's not perfect or this color is not shading perfectly right here. It's like, just forget all that and just feel it and, you know, let it flow out of you because you got to let that happen first. Because if it doesn't have feeling, it doesn't matter how technical it is. It's not going to translate to people. Any other memories either one of you have of your time at VCU? Lear was my final project there. And I was really happy with that design. And that was a different kind of process for me that I had never done before. I picked music to capture the feeling of the show, and I used that music to design the show. Uh, and the reason why I did that, Ron, is because, I don't know if you remember this, was you invited several of us over to your place one time, and we just sat and listened to music, and you were like, okay, now what do you see, and what do you feel, and how does this, you know, how does this work for the show? Feeling, and it was 
foreboding music, you know. I think it was uh, some Pink Floyd. I think I was listening to Pink Floyd. Uh, I'm sure you brought that. Pretty sure that was not of my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron, I want to thank you for dropping in. Oh, Jerry, thank you so much. And Tracy, it is so good to see you. It is so good to see you, Ron. I think about you all the time. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. How did you get from VCU to suddenly being a designer on TV shows? Well, that's a good question. Actually, if Ron was still here, because uh, he came to me near the end of my third year. It was like the middle of my third year. And he said, I have a friend that's involved with the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences in Los Angeles. Says they have a program and one of their internships was art direction. And I was very lucky to get that. And that was actually the door coming open for me. Where was the first place you went? Was it Carsey Warner? That was the first place uh, after I moved out here, yes. Footnote. Car Seat Warner is a production company that's produced numerous hits, including A Different World, The Cosby Show, Roseanne, Grace Under Fire, Third Rock from the Sun, and That 70s Show. I got a call from Garvinetti, who was the production designer for Car Seat Warner at the time. I had computer experience. And that's back in the days when computers were just kind of starting to get into all the design elements. Yeah, exactly. And he wanted to make the first computer art department. And so they bought all the computers, they bought everything, and he hired five set designers. And I was lucky enough to be one of them, you know. And at the time, they were doing Roseanne and Grace Under Fire. What was the very first show you worked on? Do you remember? Actually, the first show was Men Behaving Badly. I don't know if you even remember that show. I, I remember the name, but I don't remember anything about it. And it was uh, Rob Schneider, and this first set was a back bar. And, you know, with theater, you draw it, and then two or three months later, you have a set. You know, right, and right, you know, right. Whatever. But in this case, I drew it, and then the next day, I walked down to the mill, and they had the wall standing. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is the real deal now. You know, you don't have a lot of time, especially with sitcoms that I was doing at the time. You find out one week what you're doing and the next week they're shooting it. Now let's move over to Gaslit. Since Gaslit was the 70s show, what kind of special research or how did you prepare for that? I mean, obviously you can look at archival photos and stuff, but what kind of special challenges did did Gaslit present for you? Well, yeah, the challenges were, you know, matching everything because it is a, a realistic period piece. People are going to be looking for certain things, what they remember from their life in those periods. And I had already had a lot of background in the 70s period because I did the entire run for that 70s show. Footnote. For any young listeners, that 70s show was a hit that ran from 1998 to 2006 that made stars out of Ashton Kutcher and Topher Grace. Did you by any chance get to meet Julie Roberts or Sean Penn, or were you just off working in the shop? <laughs> well, you know, I am off working in the shop most of the time. We had done the major set, which was the Watergate Hotel, and that was the first big set that I did. And I spent a lot of time on it because it was a very large set. It took up an entire stage. You know, and they started shooting on the set, and everybody kept coming on and complimenting it. You know, there's a lot of scenes in that set. And Julia Roberts, I guess she told her assistant or someone, it's like everybody's just talking so much about the set. I want everybody to come down here so I can thank them. And so we all went down and she just came out and she just told everybody how what a great job they everybody did. Afterwards, I went up and just introduced myself. And, you know, she was very pleasant. She was super nice. And she just complimented me. You know, and so she was wonderful. So let's pivot over to SWAT, which you have been on, the CBS show you've been on for how many seasons? Been on SWAT for three seasons now. Footnote. SWAT stands for Special Weapons and Tactical, and is a procedural action drama that started in 2020. So I would assume SWAT is a slightly different show in that a lot of the time you're shooting on locations. 
that correct? Yes. You, you don't build yes. a lot of sets for that. I mean, we do build scenery and we build scenery for every episode of some aspect, but we do shoot a lot of that on location simply because it's an action show. Recently, we just did one where there's a safe, right? So the guy has to break in, in, into a safe. Well, there's no safe built in at this house. So we had to build a wall. We had to build a safe thing. And it has to be built to fit into the existing location without damaging the location. Wow. Shot without looking like it's just something stuck in. So it has to blend with the environment. And then it has to be able to function for the shooting of the show. And then we got to take it all out without damaging right. the location yeah. as well. One of the shows I know that you did that I watched both seasons of on Netflix was Outer Banks. Footnote. Outer Banks is an action-adventure series about a group of young friends in the titular location. It's already been renewed for a third season. Obviously, it says Outer Banks, but where was it really shot? Was that a completely fake town, the whole thing? <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't a fake town. but I mean, It was a real it was, town, but was it <laughs> a, was it fake signs and everything? Or how did y'all create that Outer Banks uh, town? Yeah, they shot that in uh, South Carolina. Uh, we shot that in Charleston. And Charleston's a wonderful town, a foodie's town. So if you're a foodie and, you know, uh-huh. you're really good at Charleston, <laughs> they right, have, right. I think I gained 15 pounds while working there. Wow. So one of the pieces that was kind of really cool on your resume, and it was from 2016, so that's a few years ago, but I remember watching Grease Live. What were some of the challenges for that? Because I know you had a gym, and then you had all these rooms, and they had to go from room to room, and it all had to happen in real time. I was super excited because, you know, coming from a theater, that was um, my first foray back into the theater world. And I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. And Grease is one of my favorite musicals of all time, you know. I mean, there was a whole discussion in the very beginning about do we incorporate an audience? Do we not see an audience? So that played a big part in the design of everything because then we had to think about, okay, is there an audience going to be in this set or is an audience not going to be in this set? I did the gymnasium and... And that was a real gym? No, we built that. That was on a soundstage? That was on a soundstage. That was a complete build. It was shot at uh, Warner Brothers. So it had to flow from stage to stage. So they had to work their way across the lot during the shooting of the show, you know, because it was all live. It was quite a logistical nightmare, I guess you would say. But it all worked out great in the end. I think yeah. that it, it turned out really well. Yeah, it looks great. Looking at your resume, I mean, there's so many shows. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Switched at Birth, CSI, as you mentioned, 70 Show, Third Rock, Grace Under Fire. What's one of the great stories or a couple of great stories that you can think about from any of those shows that was kind of, this was an unusual thing? I got a lot of stories from different shows, but I think one of, the, one of my mo- more fun moments on CSI, you know, it was later on in the seasons. Uh, we were doing an episode. It was about a, a whole season. It was kind of around these killers that were setting up crime scenes the CSI team would set it up to try to figure out how they did it. So they were already setting up the scene before the crime scene people got there. And uh, what I loved about it was, you know, my production designer at the time, Dan Novotny, great designer. I love working with him. He's one of the gas lit. Oh, uh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, on CSI, I was able to set up all the crime scenes. So that was kind of fun because I got to read the scripts. I got to read how these people died. But then I had to figure out how they died, set up the whole crime scene. It's like, okay, they get hit here, they crawl here, they get hit here, they die here or whatever. And then I have to set up all of the blood spatter stuff. Wow. And we we did this string art. I call it string art. I saw that on Dexter. Exactly. Just like on Dexter, where it's like wherever somebody is hit, they trace back from the blood spatter to where the person's hit to where the object is coming from that hits them. So we set up all of these uh, these warehouses, apartments and stuff with all this string art. So when you walk in, it's like the entire crime scene has been developed. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun because I got to work really closely with uh, the people that actually do, you know, 
the crime scenes that we hire to be on set to make sure that we're doing it right or whatever. Right. Obviously, set designer is mostly what you do, but you have been art director a couple of times. Mm-hmm. One of the shows that you were art director on, ironically, last night, I just saw the final episode of the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> and you worked on AJ and the Queen, which was RuPaul's attempt at a TV show other than his reality <laughs> shows. Footnote. AJ and the Queen on Netflix stars RuPaul as a down-on-her-luck drag queen who travels across America with a 10-year-old stowaway. Uh, what was your experience like working on Because you, you shot in different cities, right? Man, that show was something else. But the tricky part was, like you said, it's a on-the-road kind of show. So they end up in a different city every episode. It's a whole different city. And a different drag bar every night. Different drag bar, right. But we were confined to the uh, Warner Brothers lot. They said, okay, we're going to shoot everything on the lot here. Oh, wow. Okay. So every one of those CDs we kind of created on the lot. I mean, we did a few stuff off the lot. You know, some stuff at Griffith Park, some stuff down to Long Beach. We shot some stuff. But big portion of that was shot on the lot at uh, Warner Brothers. One of the things that happened on AJ and the Queen was we had to create this small town, town square, you know, in the springtime. Of course, we're shooting this in the fall here uh, in Los Angeles. And all the trees that were in this square were all trees that changed colors. Uh We had three days to prep build a lot of stuff and paint the entire town square. And and every day that we went out there, the leaves got a little bit yellower. But then literally the day that we were going to start shooting about five o'clock in the morning and I get there and every leaf, all of those trees had fallen to the ground. Great. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right. So I got my coordinator on the phone. I'm like, we we need to get as many people here as we can. So they were literally out there with blowers and rakes and all kinds of stuff to get all of those leaves off all of the the grass and all the yards that we had. Did you have to put leaves and flowers on the trees as well? They actually had to do that in post. Oh, in post. Yes, they actually went in and did it. We didn't have time to do that. <laughs> now, the other one that you worked on, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, yes, yeah. Footnote. Santa Clarita was a comedy on Netflix starring Drew Barrymore, whose character starts craving human flesh. What was the challenge or what was fun about that one? The people. You know, Drew Barrymore is a dream. She's a literally a ray of sunshine. Timothy Oliphant is hilarious and such a cool guy. And at first, I, you know, I saw him in Justice. And so I'm like, yep. really, he's going to be in this justified. show? Just, justified. Justified, I'm sorry. Yep. Justified. I loved him in that. He was fantastic. You know, I, I just didn't know how he was going to be in this. And he just nailed it. Him and Drew just hit it off great at the very beginning. The biggest design challenge on that was just all of the blood. There's one scene where they murder a guy in the kitchen. Uh, they told us she was just going to tear them apart. And so it was going to be very bloody. And so we were concerned because, you know, the kitchen was all marble. So we worked with special effects on trying to get a, a blood stuff together that wasn't going to stain everything. But unfortunately, when it came to the day, they didn't get everything shot. So we had to leave everything all bloody and everything for a lot longer than we anticipated. And then when we cleared everything out, we could not get all the blood stains off of it. So they had to repaint all of the cabinets, you know, repaint the entire room. And then we had to replace all of the countertops. 
which, you know, being real granite was not cheap or easy. Uh, it was not cheap. And we were going to be shooting in that set three days later again. You know, in the real world, you could just imagine trying to call somebody up and say, Hey, I need you to install granite countertops in my house in three days. What are you working on now? You're you're on SWAT, right? SWAT is coming back. They got picked up for another 22 episodes. Uh, in this business, you know, it's changed so much. I used to work, would do 25 episodes a season, and then I would have a couple of months off or I would do a pilot. There for a while, I'd have three jobs a year because, you know, you'd only do 10 episodes, eight episodes. Right. Right. That's common nowadays. Yeah. It's a little harder because you can't always get the same people over and over again. It used to be everybody would roll over into the next thing. But right. when they're so spread out like that, you know, sometimes it's more than a year in between, you know, wrapping and starting to shoot the next season. So last question I always like to ask everybody, as you know, from the shows is what are you watching when you have time to get away from the set and watch something on TV or streaming or movies? My wife and I have a lot of different tastes in shows, so I have two kind of separate uh, TV movie lives. Right, <laughs> the ones right. that I watch with my wife, you know, because she loves all of the, uh, you know, reality competition stuff. But then when she doesn't want to watch TV or she's gone to sleep or a bed or whatever, you know, I, my favorite shows right now are, you know, I love Ted Lasso. I thought that was a brilliant show. Yeah, I can't wait, you know, for the next season. Ozark, that's one Great. of my favorite shows right can't now. Can't wait for the last couple. Of, by the way, did you know another VCU graduate was in that show? Had a major part. Oh, uh, who was it? Uh, Jason Butler Harner, who oh. played the evil FBI, the gay FBI agent oh, who eventually. Right, 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 right. He was a graduate of VCU. He's been back several times since then. You know, actually, I knew that. I just had slipped my mind. I right, all right. about that. I love that show. It's. It's my new Breaking Bad. You know, I love Breaking Bad. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Sure, yeah. yeah. So when you're watching TV, do you find yourself constantly looking at the pictures on the wall and the set design, or do you just say, no, I'm off. I'm just looking at the action here. That's a really good question, because I think what I try to do, it's kind of like when I read a script, I try to read it just for the entertainment value of it and just for the story alone, you know, right. just to try to enjoy it. Because once I start trying to break it apart, you know, and dissect it into its own. Doing all the technical stuff, I start to get technical. I lose the enjoyment of watching it. So if something doesn't jump out at me, it's all good. I I don't think about it. But if anything is amiss, you know, and I know, oh, that shouldn't be there. Or, oh, what did they do here? It does take me completely out of the program. And I've had shows that I've been watching and I'm like, once I notice it, I can't stop thinking. It's all you see. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you can't tell us what those were. You don't want to give away anybody's. Uh, I don't want to put anybody under the Shame bus. anybody. Right. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool. So looking back from VCU to now, how do you feel about your career? I never in a million years thought I'd be where I am right now. It's been a great journey. And I've been so lucky. You know, so many people travel from show to show to show to show to show, you know, and never land on anything for any length of time, you know. I walk in and I'm working on Roseanne. Then I work on Third Rock, which Third Rock was one of my favorite shows of all time. Footnote. Third Rock from the Sun was a late 90s comedy about aliens on Earth. Because the cast on that and the crew, everybody was just fantastic. You know, and John Lithgow is just so awesome. (laughs) I can't say in how many ways that guy is brilliant. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had people look at me and say, wait a minute, are you John Lithgow? (laughs) <laughs> but no i've had people say that more than once so that's kind of oh funny that's, quite, that's that. a compliment though you, yeah you know, yeah you well, he's a great actor yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah he's fantastic i mean i i learned respect from him because he respected everybody you know no matter what you did on the show he had respect for you so and that was great to see from somebody of that caliber and uh, you know i've just been blessed because i was on with carsey warner for 10 years and we would just do show after show after show so i never had to go anywhere yeah. And we just became a family. And then with the advent of single camera, you know, during the mid 2000s there, there was this whole thing that 
multi-camera is dead. There's no new multi-camera. You know, nobody's going to be doing that anymore. That's a thing of the past. Footnote. Multi-camera is a production with several cameras, duh, that record at the same time from different angles, usually with a live audience, like most classic TV shows. Single camera obviously uses only one camera and is shot more like a movie where additional angles have to be shot separately. Because that was the perfect transition from theater was to do multi-camera. You know, you still got the fourth wall. It's so much like the theater. You know, it's literally theater. Because you have a live audience there. It's yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing to me. So I love that. But then it became like, what do you got to do now? Because everybody's going to single camera. There's no way doing multi-camera shows anymore. And that's when I got on CSI. I got on the number one show in the country. You know, I mean, how lucky really? can I be? That's great. To go from being on, you know, 70 show at the time you know, which was one of the top 10 shows and then going on to be on CSI, which is the number one show in the world, you know, at the time. And I be on that for eight seasons. Well, I guess that's just a testament to the quality of your work. And you got another 26 years to go. <laughs> well, Tracy, it's been great to talk to you. I appreciate you taking your time on a Saturday to talk to us and we'll be looking forward to Gaslit very soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to Gaslit as well. I'm sure it's going to be great. I want everybody to tune in. Just watching the dailies with uh, Sean Penn, he was just incredible. You won't even know it's Sean Penn. Wow, great. But thank you very much, Jerry. I really appreciate you uh, giving me this time. Well, thank you so much for taking your time. There's a link to Tracy's website and more on the webpage at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the latest Marvel movie with Benedict Cumberbatch in the lead. And the only films that dared open against this behemoth are Artie. Petite Maman, a French import by the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This one's about a young girl who meets another young girl in the woods building a treehouse. The Duke, based on a true story about a 60-year-old taxi driver who stole a Goya portrait from the National Gallery in London, starring Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. TV and streaming. On the 5th on Paramount Plus, Star Trek Strange New World, a prequel and a spinoff. On HBO Max, The Staircase based on the true story and the documentary about the suspicious death of Michael Peterson's wife, starring Colin Firth and Tony Collette. And on the fifth on Peacock, the second season of Girls 5 Eva, an enjoyable comedy about a 90s girl band that reunites. On Netflix, Pintoverit, Mike Myers plays seven characters in this satirical series involving the Black Plague. On the sixth on Apple, Tehran returns for a new season with Glenn Close added to the cast. And on the ninth on Hulu, Candy, a suburban housewife, Jessica Beale, is accused, then acquitted, of the bloody axe murderer of her friend, played by Melanie Linsky. And that's it for this week. Next week, I'll feature two women who live right here in Richmond, both of whom have made documentaries that are nationally released. See you then. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews visit tvjerry.com.